one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Welcome Street is everybody on the episode phone. A- of the podcast of Civic America, the Air Force Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. That is right. It is National Signing Day. And we got a jam-packed episode of the Aaron Torres Pod. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We are going to open. I want to start, before we get to the signing day stuff, USC. What the heck is happening at USC? After a disastrous year, three former five stars in the last three days have announced that they are leaving USC. Lincoln Riley is scuffling. Just how bad is this, and will it get fixed? From there, we are going to jump into the signing day stuff. We will obviously start with the news of the week since we last recorded. The number one quarterback in America, Dylan Riola, officially does flip from Georgia to Nebraska. What does it mean for Nebraska now that it happened? And finally, with signing day here, uh, just going to give you some stuff, some things to watch here on National Signing Day. Uh, big names that could switch schools, what schools are making moves, what schools are falling apart, lot to dive into. One quick scheduling note, just so everybody kind of knows the, the flow of this week as we head into a holiday weekend. Don't you worry. Torres, plenty has you covered. We got two more episodes this week. I think this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a Thursday, probably a shorter show, reacting to National Signing Day. Obviously, if there's some big college hoops news, we will dive into it as well. Friday, though, going into the holiday weekend, we have a bonus episode, an hour-long interview with the legend Jim Calhoun, the former UConn head coach. We talk about the current Huskies, the former Huskies, recruiting Kemba Walker, recruiting Kevin Durant, some Huskies that he got, some Huskies that he didn't. Even if you are not a UConn fan, this will be a very fun listen for you. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun, so excited for that. Next Tuesday after the holiday, we will preview the college football playoff and all of the bowl games. So busy, 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 busy week. And with that said, there is no more time to waste. And let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, it is National Signing Day, so we're going to get to the National Signing Day stuff that you need to know here in just a few minutes. But the national, uh, the story to me, the topic of the day, right now, this second in the world that we traverse, kind of college football, college basketball, the topic of the day is what the heck is going on at USC? When we last talked about USC, well, it was bad. You can't sugarcoat it. This was a team that came in with playoff aspirations, national championship aspirations with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and projected number one pick in the NFL draft, Caleb Williams. Uh, Yeah, there was no playoff. There was no, uh, you know, major bowl game. There's nothing as the Trojans finished seven and five, one and five down the stretch. And listen, there's no way to sugarcoat it. 
They were the most disappointing team in college football. The defense absolutely fell apart. Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, was fired. And you kind of thought after that, okay, maybe the dust will settle and everything will be okay. Just a few weeks ago, they obviously stole uh, Dia and Lynn, the defensive coordinator from UCLA. So they hadn't played in a while. They get a new defensive coordinator. And you sit there and say, you know what? Maybe Lincoln Riley has stemmed the tide. Maybe things aren't quite as bad as everybody was making it out to be until this week when we realized, ah, yeah, things are still really, really bad, really, really not right at USC. Unless you've been living under a rock or if you don't follow the portal and all this stuff, USC is hemorrhaging not only players, but marquee players over the last couple of days. On Sunday, we find out that Malachi Nelson, a former five-star quarterback, many believed he was the heir apparent to Caleb Williams, comes in, red shirts behind Caleb Williams, plays in 2024. He announces he is entering the portal. Then on Monday, it's one thing to lose a quarterback who's never played meaningful snaps, but two of your best defenders off of a bad defense, guys that you really can't afford to lose. Damani Jackson, a cornerback that was rated as the number one corner in the class of 2022, was the biggest high school recruit that Lincoln Riley signed in his first class. He announces he's leaving. Tackett Curtis, a star linebacker, emerging star, announces he's leaving. And then, oh, by the way, on Tuesday, Corey Foreman, who was signed by the previous staff but was an elite five-star recruit, announces he is leaving as well. So in total, Three former five stars in the last three days have announced they are leaving USC. And oh, by the way, on top of that, maybe your best rising defensive star. And so, yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is not good at USC. What is going on? And then bluntly, like, is Lincoln Riley the guy to figure this out? Let's go ahead and dive in. So first of all, let me say this. It's not good. I'm not going to pretend it's good. That's not what I'm going to do over the next couple of minutes. What I will say, though, is that um, bluntly, I think so, it, it, it's the old thing that I say on this show all the time. Two things in life can be true. It's certainly not good. But what I will also say is I do think elements of it have been a little bit overblown in terms of just how bad it is. So the part that I think has been overblown is the loss of Malachi Nelson. Okay. Again, former five star was the number one, uh, number two, three, four, whatever he was, quarterback in last year's class was supposed to be the heir apparent to Arch Manning. He announces that he's leaving. Everybody freaks out. That's the one that I'll sort of defend Lincoln Riley on. One, it's because Lincoln Riley, you could criticize him for whatever, but he is the quarterback whisperer. He has had three Heisman Trophy winners, um, a fourth finalist if you include Jalen Hurts in that one year at, at, at Oklahoma. The guy knows quarterbacks. And more importantly than that, not only does Lincoln Riley know quarterbacks, Lincoln Riley is not afraid to play a talented quarterback if they are good enough early in their careers. It didn't work out for Spencer Rattler, but Spencer Rattler was the heir apparent after Jalen Hurts left. He got his chance as a redshirt freshman. The following year when it didn't work out, Spencer Rattler gets benched for a five-star freshman named Caleb Williams. And so I just bring it up because Lincoln Riley has a history of playing young quarterbacks if they're good enough when they're ready. And so the fact that Malachi Nelson leaves 
with another piece of information tells me that he probably wasn't ready to be the quarterback next year. What is that piece of information? Well, the piece of information is bluntly, since even before the transfer portal officially opened, Lincoln Riley has been flying all over the country to see recruits and visit quarterbacks, specifically transfer quarterbacks, in case I'm not making myself clear here. Since before the portal opened, he's been flying around visiting transfer quarterbacks. Remember, the portal opens, but before that, graduate players and also guys on teams that uh, where the coach left, you could visit those players. And even before the portal opened, Lincoln Riley was on a plane to see Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback. I think it was the first week of December, right around the time of those conference championship games. And so that right there told me, wait a second now. There was the heir apparent on campus right now. So if that kid was ready, Lincoln Riley would not be traveling all over the country. Now, you could say Lincoln Riley misevaluated him. You could say he was never the right guy. But what I don't blame Lincoln Riley for is if this kid isn't ready, if he's not the guy and you have to go get another quarterback, then that's what you got to do. And so as I'm recording, it isn't official yet, but Will Howard is expected to be the next USC quarterback. He is expected to transfer in. By the fact, let me let me Google that really quick, make sure nothing has changed here in the last couple of minutes because it feels like it could happen at any moment. Um, but Will Howard is expected to transfer in. And there's another element to this as well. The other element is as follows. Malachi Nelson put out his first list of schools that are interested in him. And let's just say it's not exactly the type of list that you would expect from a former five-star quarterback. Among the schools, according to On3, that are in contention to get Malachi Nelson, you have TCU. You have, on top of that, you have Houston. You have Tulane. You have South Carolina. Let me ask you a question. Does TCU and Houston and Tulane, do those sound like the kind of teams that you're going to be heartbroken if you lose your quarterback if you're at USC? No. And so you add in the fact that the portal guys Lincoln Riley is being aggressive with, with the schools that are recruiting Malachi Nelson, it's not a knock on the kid. It's not that he's a bad person. I always like to say that. I'm not picking on him. But those two things make me believe that he was not going to be the quarterback next year. And so go ahead, let him go. Where I do think there is concern if you're a USC fan, the defensive guys are bailing ship, Okay. And the first reaction, everyone's going to say, well, you know, the defense stunk and how good could they be anyway? And blah, 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 and this and that. Well, according to the recruiting rankings, they were really good. Damani Jackson was the number one rated cornerback in the high school class of 2022. He chose USC over Alabama and Michigan. And I bring that up to say that he has clearly not gotten developed while at USC. I think to me, this is very interesting. I, I'll say this. It's kind of weird. I saw him at, during a USC game this year. I was watching a USC game on TV, and I saw him on the field, and I said, I wonder what it's like to be that kid. You could have gone to Alabama. You could have gone to Michigan. You end up going to USC. You're a SoCal kid. Stay home. Play in front of mom and dad. Well, now you're in year two. You haven't been developed the way that you want it to be. Your team's not winning. The defense isn't good. And I remember sitting there saying, like, I wonder what that kid is thinking right now. And so I bring it up because him entering the portal, what that says to me is that this was a kid, a five-star coming out of high school. When you're a five-star, it means that you think you're going to be a three and done. 
It means that you think, I'm going to come to college, I'm going to ball out by my sophomore year, I'm going to be really good by my junior year, I'm going to be a star by my my fourth year, I'm going pro, and I'm going to be a first-rounder. And so the fact that he is leaving right now tells me that he feels like he is not being developed. Now, I'm sure some of it maybe is on him, whatever. But the fact that Alabama and Michigan have already emerged as potential suitors, that leads me to believe that, uh, uh, you know, the talent is still there. It just isn't being unlocked by the USC coaching staff. I know there's a new coaching staff coming in, but that's a pretty darn good sign. If Nick Saban is interested in you, it means you're still a pretty good football player no matter what's happened at USC. Tacky Curtis is kind of the same thing. Linebacker from Louisiana. Now, maybe it's a little different for him. Kind of came across country as a freshman, but he had like 44 tackles as a true freshman this past year. And so to lose him hurts. And I think to lose him with Damani Jackson, it speaks to something else that I just mentioned. It speaks to elite defensive players do not feel like they are being developed at USC. Now, listen, to be clear, it's obvious they're not. I mean, USC's defense was abysmal. But the bottom line is, you know, you hope going into this offseason with a new defensive coaching staff, you can sell those kids on, look, guys, I know it's been bad. I know last year was embarrassing. But stick with us. We have a plan. We're going to make it work. Now, to the credit of the kids, listen, one thing I've learned doing this as long as I have Kids are smarter than they ever were before. They don't fall for the nonsense, and it was going to be a tough sell to keep them, but it speaks to me that those kids are not buying the message. And so overall, what I would just say is, listen, I I think it's going to be an interesting couple months for Lincoln Riley. I'm not ready to completely bail ship on him yet for a few reasons. One, I do like all the defensive additions on the defensive coaching staff. As I mentioned, DeAnton Lynn, uh, the uh, defensive coordinator who completely changed UCLA's defense in one year, he comes over. Remember, Matt Entz, the North Dakota State head coach, is coming in as the linebackers coach. So by all accounts, they've really upgraded the defensive staff. And I give Lincoln Riley credit. He said kind of in his post-season you know, season press conference after the season ended, he said, point blank, we got to change everything around here. And it starts with the way we recruit, with the way we practice. And that's something we've talked about on this show. It's not a very big secret in college football circles that USC is kind of a country club type program. I've talked to many people who have the ability to watch practices. Us in the media, we only get to watch a little bit here and there. But I've I've talked to people who've been in practice who are just like, it's the softest practice I've ever seen. And so I give credit to Lincoln Riley for being willing to change. We're being willing to change how they practice, how they prepare, all that good stuff. Um, And I give them credit for shaking up the coaching staff. And I also do think once they get the quarterback settled, I think the offense will be pretty good. I know the offense had its ups and downs this year. You can't blame Caleb Williams, though. And the offense was still pretty good. Will Howard isn't dynamic as, as Caleb Williams is, but he is going to be able to put up numbers with Lincoln Riley as his head coach. And so I'm excited to see what's next. But I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I didn't even mention as we approach National Signing Day here, right now USC is the 19th ranked class in the country. There's just a lot not going on right now. So we'll see what happens. I'm not quite as down because I like the defensive hires. I like some of the offensive personnel. But man, oh man, oh man, it is crazy how quickly things can change in college football, in recruiting, 
and in perception of your program, USC is not in a good spot right now. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break, come back. When we come back, you want to talk about the opposite? What did I just say? I just said it's quickly how it's amazing how quick perception of your program can change. Well, in a negative way, you could certainly talk about USC. But in a positive way, the news we were waiting for becomes official. Dylan Raiola, the number one quarterback in America, flips from Georgia to Nebraska. Unless something crazy changes, he's signing with Nebraska on Wednesday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, all the other storylines you need to know. Quick break. Be right back. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of this abbreviated show. So good to be back. I do want to go ahead and wrap. As I said to lead the show, as all of you know, today is National Signing Day in college football. That is right. Pen to paper. All the elite recruits, or not all of them, but most of them uh, are set to sign, go to the school of their choice, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And in just a minute or two, I want to go through the big storylines, the things to follow today on Wednesday, some players who are maybe committed but thinking about going other places because there are a lot of interesting storylines going in, the teams that are trending up, the teams that are trending down. So we are going to talk about all of the big storylines here on National Signing Day in just one moment. The thing is, though, as big as anything that possibly could happen today here on National Signing Day, The single biggest story that will come out of the recruiting cycle of 2024 actually took place on Monday. We talked about it last week. We talked about it on YouTube. We have gone back and forth on this fascinating story of Dylan Raiola, the number one quarterback in America. He was committed to Georgia, has been committed to Georgia since May. And about a week ago, uh, we find out that he may actually be seriously considering flipping to Nebraska. Well, I bring it up because on Monday, that news became official. Dylan Rail, the number one quarterback in America, is officially going to Nebraska, baby. That's right. Grab your Tommy Frazier jerseys, baby. It's 1994 all over again. I know this news is a little bit old. I know it was expected, but we have to dive in because, as I said, there will be no bigger story coming out of signing day than the number one quarterback in America going to Nebraska. All right, so first of all, the backstory I think everybody knows, but just give me 30 seconds to set this up, why this is not that surprising, even though it is a little bit surprising. Dylan Raiola, as I said, number one quarterback in America. Why this is not surprising is for two reasons. One, there is a long family history between his family and Nebraska. We've talked about it, but his father, uh, uh, his father, Dominic Raiola, uh, played at Nebraska, uh, uh, has his jersey retired, longtime NFL player, played with the Detroit Lions, all that good stuff. He's a legend. He was an offensive lineman. He was a great, and he was part of kind of that last great era of Nebraska football. Also worth noting, Dylan Raiola's uncle is an assistant coach at Nebraska. I've said it many times, the only assistant that was retained by Matt Rule from the previous coaching staff. So he had ties from the family. He had ties to the school. And then the important part, and this is the part that I think is getting lost in the shuffle. Everyone's saying NIL this, uh, you know, Nebraska's dropping the bag, that, whatever, okay? Well, I've said it a million times. I think NIL plays a role 
in every single recruitment that happens in 2024, 2023, 2025, whatever. I don't think it's as as big of a thing as a lot of people think, though. And what do I mean by that? Why this isn't surprising is because beyond the family ties, beyond the fact that Matt Rule has this thing going in the right direction, here's the other factor. This announcement came hours after Carson Beck, Georgia's starting quarterback, announced his return to Georgia for another season. And so listen, I know Georgia fans, I don't want to criticize Georgia fans, but I know some fans will say, oh, this kid doesn't want to compete for the job, whatever it is. No, no, no. What is very clear is Dylan Raiola wanted to go to a place where he would have the opportunity to step on the field and play meaningful snaps in 2024. You can agree, you can disagree. Is he ready? Is he not ready? That's not up for me to decide. That was clearly what his priority was. For whatever reason, I think he assumed that maybe Carson Beck would be a one-and-done as a starting quarterback, and he could go to Georgia to compete for the job next year. And when that became obvious that it wasn't going to happen, he started looking around. Nebraska, as things currently stand and things are always evolving in the portal, um, you know, listen, there's going to be an opportunity for him to play right away. The latest buzz is that Casey Thompson, who was actually their starter last year, then transferred out could transfer back in and kind of be that stopgap guy for a final season. But I bring it up because these are all the reasons that this kid ended up in Nebraska. And so now that it's official, I want to dive in. I want to talk about what it means big picture. First of all, from the Nebraska perspective, if you're a Nebraska fan, listen, if you're a Nebraska fan, enjoy this moment, okay? Because I have seen, again, so much negativity about NIL. Oh, this kid's just going to transfer in a year. Oh, it doesn't matter. The team's not very good. Nebraska fans, do not let other fan bases steal your thunder, okay? I've said it many times. I'm not a Nebraska fan. By the way, I'm wearing a UConn uh, shirt. I went to UConn, whatever. I bring it up because I'm not a Nebraska fan, but I am a child of the 90s, and I remember how awesome this program was and how awesome college football was when Big Red was rolling at the highest level, okay? And so I bring it up because this is so great for Nebraska And this is why the fans should just enjoy this moment, right? Since the late 90s, there have been so many moments where you wonder, are you on the cusp? Are we there? Are we almost there? We won the Big Ten West. We're going to the Big Ten Championship game. And Dominican Sue, you know, we hire Scott Frost. It's all going to get figured out. And I don't mean to belittle Nebraska fans, but it never has. And so this does feel different. And this does feel like an important moment in time for Nebraska football. Why is that? It's not to say that this kid is the savior. It's not to say that this kid is all the answer and he's going to come and he's going to be a three-year starter and win two Eisman trophies and win a national championship. That's not what this is about. What it does say, though, is that Nebraska is a school that elite kids can now consider. Recruiting, if you learn anything, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, recruiting is so cyclical. Recruiting is so somebody's hot now, they're not hot a a, a minute later, right? Uh, In the spring, Florida was the hottest program in the country. Now they're bailing water trying to keep their recruiting class together. Uh, Texas has not been cool forever. Now they're the cool school. They're getting everybody's, you know, they're, they're flipping kids left and right. And so this recruiting stuff changes fast. But to get this kid committed, even if it is for family ties, even if NIL does play a role, it's so important to just show other elite players, Nebraska's okay. Nebraska's cool. We can win at Nebraska. Dylan Riola believes in them, so so should you. 
Doesn't mean they're going to sign a number one class next year. It just is a positive moment, a positive direction for Nebraska. And I'll tell you this. I really do think that this program is headed in the right direction under Matt Rule. We'll get to Matt Rule in just one moment. Beyond that, beyond the Nebraska element, this is important as far as I'm concerned. I also think this is good for college football. Listen, one thing, we all love college football, but I do think it became a little bit static uh, towards the uh, probably the middle to the end of the last decade. Where every year we came in, we knew Ohio State was winning the Big Ten. We knew Clemson was winning the ACC. Bama had a stranglehold on the SEC. Here or there, somebody else stepped up. But now you're seeing with NIL and with the portal, the college football playing field flattening, right? I think it's good for college football that the number one player in America is thinking about Nebraska and thinks that he can go there and build a legitimate contender around him. I don't know if this decision gets made six, seven years ago because he says, I'm going to go to Nebraska. They're not going to be able to recruit. They're not going to be able to hit the portal. They're not going to be able to do this. They're not going to be able to do that. And so now we're seeing the college football playing field flatten. We have four really good teams in the college football playoff. I think we all think Georgia could have won games if they had gotten in a playoff. Oregon could have won games if they got in the playoff. Ohio State was number two in the country going into the final weekend of the season. And so now you add Nebraska into the fold. Florida State is good again. Tennessee is on the way up. It's just good for college football to have a lot of these programs operating at the highest level. And I think Nebraska might be next, right? I'm not saying that it's going to happen overnight. I'm not saying that they're going to make even a 12-team playoff next year. But remember, in this era, it doesn't take as long if you have the right guy. Steve Sarkeesian in year three at Texas is in the college football playoff. Kalen DeBoer in year two at Washington is in the college football playoff. Dan Lanning in year two had Oregon on the verge of the college football playoff. And so you look at those schools, they all have the right guy. I think Matt Rule is it at Nebraska. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, listen, this was the guy that I, I thought they should hire as soon as they got rid of Scott Frost. It was clear that it wasn't going to work at Carolina. And everything he does, I continue to be impressed by. The pregame speeches, you know, they started five and three. They did not win another game and did not get bowl eligible. But this guy gets it. He's about the right things. If you have not listened yet, go back and listen to what he talked about with Pat McAfee uh, a few days ago. He did a long form interview with Pat McAfee, about 45 minutes. He touched on everything, how he builds a program, how he treats his players, how he treats his people, um, how he recruits, all that. It was just a fascinating interview. So I'm not going to go on and on. But I do believe that Nebraska in this 12-team playoff era, it's the right time to be a Huskers fan. Doesn't mean that it's 1994 all over again like I joked to lead the segment. Uh, I don't think they're winning three national titles in four years at any point in the future like they did in the 90s. But in a 12-team playoff era with the right coach, with NIL, with the portal, do I think they can be the second or third or even fourth best team in the Big Ten every couple years and make the playoff? I absolutely do. And so it'll be fun to watch. I'm fascinated. I'm excited. Uh, and I'm excited for Nebraska fans. Nebraska, enjoy this moment. Don't let anyone steal your sunshine. All right, really quickly before we get out of here, uh, it is National Signing Day. And uh, there's a lot going on. And so what I just want to do now is take about five to ten minutes and just give you the big storylines coming into the day, okay? Okay. 
not going to overdo it, not going to break down. You know, we're not going to pretend to be experts on a four star, you know, edge rusher from uh, Atlanta. Okay. Like that's not what this is about. But what I do think is worth noting is that there are several storylines that I think are at least worth monitoring coming into today. Uh, And oh, by the way, just to give everyone a heads up, here are the top 10 recruiting classes as they currently stand. Not very surprised. Georgia's number one, Ohio State's number two, Alabama's number three, Florida State's number four, Texas is five, Miami is six, Oklahoma seven, Oregon's eight, Notre Dame's nine, Florida is 10. And so what I just want to do now, I, by the way, I don't think there's any like st- super shocking teams in the top 10. You know, Miami obviously being at number six is kind of interesting. We'll talk about them in a minute. But let's dive into the big storylines heading into today, heading into National Signing Day and everything you need to know. Storyline number one. Are there going to be any major flips, right? Because I think the big story is like everybody's committed. I saw this stat. I think it's 98 out of the top 100 players in the 24-7 sports top 100 players are currently committed. But just because you committed don't mean you're signing on the dotted line, baby. And what's interesting is whether it is because of, you know, the portal, because of NIL, because of a situation like Dylan Raiola where the situation in front of him changed, it feels like you have a lot of players, really elite players, that are considering going other places. First off, it starts at the top. I said it a minute ago. Dylan Ryle is the number one quarterback in America. The number one overall player in America is a kid by the name of Jeremiah Smith, a wide receiver out of the Miami area. He has been committed to Ohio State essentially forever. Bring it up because the last couple weeks, he's taken a couple visits. Florida State seems to have emerged and we'll see. He's publicly said, I'm going to Florida, I'm going to Ohio State, excuse me. But he also is kind of doing a signing. You know, he's he has an announcement on signing day. And so it's just worth monitoring because I don't think he's not going to Ohio State, but it is kind of worth the it, it could be a developing thing for the Buckeyes. Obviously, you don't want to lose him. Of course, if you do lose him, one, it'd be huge for Florida State, especially in light of everything that has happened the last month to six weeks with that program. But then two, at least for Ohio State, it is a position of strength. You know what isn't a position of strength, though, for Ohio State? At least it's I don't want to say it's not a position of strength, but a place that you can't afford to lose again. Edric Houston, five-star defensive lineman out of Georgia, has been committed to Ohio State also since the summertime. Why do I bring it up? Last weekend, visited both Clemson and Alabama with Alabama making a strong push late. Another one. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. But if whether it's close to home, whether it's that Alabama's kind of a sexy program right now, back as the SEC champion, back in the college football playoff, this kid took visits this past weekend, and you got to be concerned if you're a Buckeyes fan. What's interesting for Ohio State, they actually lost another five-star to a flip, Justin Scott, to Miami a few weeks ago. And so you got to close this class. Like You talk about a program that desperately just needs to get through Wednesday and get signatures to paper, Ohio State is one of them. You know who desperately needs to get through National Signing Day, though? And this is storyline number two. There is no program whose class is taking on water. Class is falling apart. Quite like Billy Napier 
and the Florida Gators. Okay, and this is, you know, Florida fans get mad every time you say anything bad about them. But the bottom line is this, this recruiting class is a debacle. Okay. Started out great. Number three recruiting class in the country during the summer into the fall. And then they got a commitment from one of the best defensive linemen in high school football named LJ McCray. And it felt like, okay, Billy Napier, whatever happens on the field, they're going to have a great recruiting class off of it. Problem was they started losing games. At that point, they lost a bunch of marquee recruits. A couple names that they lost at the time. Jamonte Waller, a five-star defensive lineman. He is now headed to Auburn. Uh, Wardell Mack, a uh, defensive back who's headed to Texas. They also lost an offensive lineman to Georgia. And then on Monday, it was right before the Dylan Riola news, they also lost a star defensive back, a, a star safety, Xavier uh, Filsimi. I trip over his day all the time, but Xavier Filsimi uh, di- uh, was committed to Florida, was one of their top two or three ranked recruits. He flips to Texas. So just in the last month, they've lost four marquee recruits. And it could get worse today on signing day. couple guys to keep an eye on. One, the good news is their star quarterback, the centerpiece of their class is a kid named DJ Lagway, maybe the second best quarterback in America behind Dylan Riola. He's going to sign. I know some people who kind of peripherally know him and his camp, uh, whatever, you know, I, I don't know if he loves Billy Napier, if he loves Gainesville, if he loves the, the Gator Chomp. But I don't think he's flipping. There was late buzz that could Texas A&M get involved. I think it's too little too late for that new coaching staff. Um, beyond that, though, pretty much every Florida Gators recruit is kind of up in the air going into National Signing Day. The LJ McCray kid I just mentioned, on three, has him as the best defensive lineman in the country. Well, last couple of weeks, he's taken visits to Albert. He's taken visits to Florida State. Quiet kid doesn't say much. You can't really get a feel for what his recruitment is. But if you're Billy Napier, you're sweating because that's the kind of guy you cannot lose this late. He is not replaceable. That's like a first day of the NFL draft type guy. Beyond him, there's another kid, Amaris Williams, another elite defensive lineman, four-star from North Carolina. I've said it on the YouTube channel. I'll say it here. I've never seen this before. As I record, he is currently committed to Florida. Every single one of his crystal ball predictions has him going to Ohio State. And then, oh, by the way, he just took a visit to Auburn as well. So you look at that whole situation. It's like, what is going on? Committed to Florida, crystal balls to to Ohio State, uh, going to visit on Auburn. It's just, it's insanity. And then they had a linebacker that has been committed forever who took a visit to Miami this weekend. So you're talking about literally probably three of your top four remaining recruits are on serious flip watch. This after losing four high-profile recruits as well. Billy Napier, get your butt to Wednesday. You know, what's the old Ricky Bobby meme? Sweet baby Jesus, get me to Wednesday? That is Billy Napier going to bed tonight if he goes to bed at all. Number three, big storyline here. I'm wearing a a hoodie, okay, for those watching on YouTube. What does Coach Prime have up his sleeve? Because the thing about Coach Prime, National Signing Day might as well be called National Coach Prime Flip Day because the thing about Coach Prime, for all the talk about all the portal kids he's gotten and the really good high school players he's gotten this year, there is something that I find very interesting. It's kind of quiet going into National Signing Day, but here's the thing. 
It was quiet going into National Signing Day two years ago. Nobody had Coach Prime projected to flip Travis Hunter. Nobody. Then National Signing Day comes. You hear the Travis Hunter rumors. He's not going to Florida State. Oh, my goodness, he might go to Jackson State. Then last year, going into National Signing Day, there was no buzz at all that Cormani McLean, the number one corner last year, was going anywhere other than Miami. Then National Signing Day comes. Cormani's not signing with Miami. What's going on? Oh, he ends up at Colorado. And so just because Colorado hasn't been linked to people, doesn't mean that Coach Prime ain't making moves, and that's what I want to watch for today. Who are the potential people that could flip on National Signing Day? Just a couple names to keep an eye on. Uh, Jaquan McCroy, big offensive tackle. He's about six foot eight, six foot nine. Uh, committed to Oregon. He's actually from Alabama. Took a visit to Colorado a few weeks ago. He's been on Flip Watch since. I think it's interesting, by the way, Oregon just stole a transfer commit from Colorado, was committed to Colorado named Matthew Bedford. So can is Dan Landing playing the chess piece game with Coach Prime as far as you took my guy? So I'm going to take yours. I don't know, but keep an eye on him. Uh, Boo, Miller, uh, Boo Carter, excuse me, a four-star uh, two-way player from Tennessee, has been committed to the Vols forever, but Really good friends with Jordan Seaton, that five-star that just committed to Colorado a few weeks ago, so keep an eye on that one. I also saw this. Charles Lester, a five-star defensive back, has been committed to Florida State for a while. Uh, somebody He tweeted something about, oh, people are coming in with the NIL bag, whatever, and everyone in his comments are speculating who could it be, who could it be. There's a gif of Coach Prime. He retweeted it. So is Coach Prime potentially going to hijack another Florida State recruit? We will see. A couple other storylines worth keeping an eye on. One, I think this is important. We talked about the health and ecosystem of the college football uh, community right now. And I bring it up because uh, we just talked about with Nebraska. Right now, Florida State has the number four recruiting class in the country. Miami has the number six recruiting class in the country. Uh, now, Florida State, I think, is playing both offense and defense. We just mentioned number one player in America, uh, Jeremiah Smith, has visited Florida State of late, LJ McCray as well. It is worth noting, though, a couple of their high-profile players are flirting with other people. Uh, we just mentioned Charles Lester flirting a little sort of bit with Colorado. Their top recruit, K.J. Bolden, took a visit to Auburn in recent weeks. And so I just bring it up because Florida State is trending towards a top five class. And Miami is trending towards a top five, top six class after a seven and five season. To me, that is very important because what has the narrative in college football been the last month? Now, I think it's stupid, but what has the narrative been? The narrative has been that... The ACC is not on the level of the SEC or the Big Ten as we go towards those two super conferences, and everybody that isn't in those leagues is going to get left behind. Now, people are trying to use that as justification why Florida State was left out. Everybody hates the ACC. I don't buy that. ESPN has the exclusive, you know, they have the ACC network. They want everybody to be good. But from a perception standpoint, if these two programs can hold on to these classes, I think it's great. Uh, and then otherwise, I think everything else is kind of self-explanatory. I've mentioned Auburn a few times here. They've basically, you know, they're they're on the verge of potentially flipping a couple kids. K.J. Bolden, five-star safety, committed to Florida State. L.J. McCray, you know, I don't know if they're on the verge of flipping them, but at least worth watching. 
Uh, that's the defensive tackle committed to Florida. Amaris Williams, the defensive end, end committed to Ohio State. So all that is worth watching. And I really think that's it as far as National Signing Day. The one thing we could all say about National Signing Day, something crazy is going to happen. We don't know what it is. So make sure to stay tuned. With that said, I think it's time for me to get out of here. That is all for today's Aerator Sports Podcast. Let me say this. Appreciate your support. If you're not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Appreciate everybody's support. We will be back tomorrow to recap National Signing Day on Thursday. Appreciate everybody's support. Time for me to go. Time for you to enjoy your Wednesday. Shout out to Torncrank. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back Wednesday, uh, Thursday, tomorrow. New episode, Aaron Tours.